0: 313814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study.
1: And we welcome you to the virtual Bible study for Thursday, May 10th, 2012. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father Greg Gwynn, is out of town tonight, and I've got uh, two gentlemen filling his shoes. Uh, Immediately to my right Anthony Petrachko is here tonight Anthony is a familiar voice and face uh, on the program Anthony welcome to the program
2: It's good to be here
1: And uh, also another familiar va- face uh, and voice uh, Eric Reynolds is here from Fayetteville Tennessee Eric welcome to the program Thank you Jacob always good to be with you Good to be with you as well looking forward to good discussion looking forward to your participation at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeu.com and the chat room to the right of your viewing window is open and you can join in the discussion there with other listeners. Lots of things we could have talked about tonight. By the things in the news, Eric, that uh, and Anthony, that uh, we could have talked about. Tried to get in touch with a, a woman who was a uh, preacher in the Methodist church and decided she doesn't believe in God at all now to become an atheist. And that's gotten a lot of press. could have talked about that. We tried to get in touch with her and uh, set up an interview. Anthony, you helped with that.
2: Yeah, it was unfortunate. It looked like maybe she... Uh would have been willing to come on but i don't know if we didn't have enough lead time or what but that didn't quite work out
1: we could have talked about homosexual marriage eric that was in the news the president has endorsed that
2: right i've seen quite
3: a bit of discussion on facebook uh about that in the last couple of days as he made his announcement and then several people have shared their thoughts on you know the the whole concept of homosexual marriage did
1: you catch joe biden he said that uh, will and grace was one of the big motivators in changing our society the television show no i didn't see that well at least he's honest right uh, the media is affecting our a lot of christians aren't willing to even make that admission that uh, these kind of things affect the way that we think right. about moral issues and so that was interesting but you had an idea eric and so since you know, you're the guest of honor tonight we'll use your idea and i thought it was a very good one and I, it got me excited about it when we were talking about it this morning some people want to minimize sin and uh, think that certain sins are worse than others and that some sins aren't really that bad and Sometimes even we as Christians allow certain sins to sort of hang around, and we don't get rid of them like we should. And we will talk about insignificant sins that will send us to hell tonight. So that would be a good discussion. Uh, and so we look forward to your participation on the program tonight. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven again, is the telephone number to use. It's toll-free, and the line is open. Looking forward to hearing from you. We asked you earlier today uh, to send us your answers to four questions, and you can join in and participate in the discussion as we go along if you've not responded so far. Number one, what are some insignificant thoughts or attitudes that will send one to hell? So we want to talk about our thoughts. Number two, we want to talk about our actions, insignificant actions that will send us to hell. And number three, maybe some insignificant words uh, that will send us to hell. And then four, we want to ask the question, is there really such a thing as insignificant sin? And what verses would you use to support your answer? And so that's that's really uh, the crux of the issue. And after we get looking at some of these so-called insignificant sins, I think we'll find that there are no insignificant sins.
3: Right. Someone could sort of question the whole premise, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it's so, somewhat of a, you know, it, it maybe a contrived premise because, right, right. because that's what we, we view them as, insignificant. Right. And uh, that's not the case. We'll find that out. Right. But we want to look at these so-called insignificant minor sins that people right. don't, Came to mind. all right 877-381-4567 let us know your thoughts join in the discussion if you're in the chat room we look forward to hearing from you uh there as well and uh eric i guess before we start we really need to establish uh, a certain fundamental concept probably a few years ago you wouldn't have had to argue this point but it seems more and more you are have to argue that hell exists okay will anything send you to hell and so many people in the world today and so many people in the religious world who right. claim to be Christian don't believe that hell exists, and to do so has to negate so many of Jesus' plain teachings on the subject.
3: Right. I mean, there's a, there seems to have been recently a push to find a way to reinterpret Scripture or to somehow make hell go away, yeah. make it maybe not as bad as we've always thought. Maybe it's temporary. Maybe it's momentary.
1: No, the Catholics teach us sort of, you know, you're there for a little while to sort of pay your
3: dues, and then you're then you're out of there. Right, and and I think we all understand why someone would would want to believe that right. it would be more comforting, right, to think that maybe it will just last a little while, and right, um, or maybe it's not. Maybe we've misunderstood it. Maybe maybe it doesn't exist. And uh, you know, I, I can understand emotionally why people would want to go there because it is a terrifying and sickening thought to imagine that people will be punished eternally. But the problem is that's exactly what Jesus says on m- numerous occasions.
1: And, uh, Anthony, his teachings are prolific
3: about, about hell. You, you can't get
1: around it if you're going to accept what Jesus taught about anything. You've got to accept what he's taught about hell,
2: right? It's it's interesting, you know. People want to paint uh, Jesus as just a, a kind of a cuddly teddy bear, and God the Father Himself as well. But if if you really take an honest look at the Scriptures, Jesus is the person who taught the most about hell and the reality of hell. And um, you know, we we mentioned real quick to backtrack for a second about how people are wanting to sort of paint hell out of the picture and make it go away. And we talked about the methodist preacher who decided she didn't believe in god that one of the things that she stated if i remember right was that she couldn't accept that a loving god could eternally you know condemn someone to eternal punishment so in her own mind like you were talking about eric she 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 wanted to f- have that warm and fuzzy toward god and hell was getting in the way of that in her mind so
1: yeah yeah it's not a politically correct right. it's not a popular doctrine but the scriptures are replete with uh, instructions about uh, hell and the fact that it exists
3: yeah and one simple verse just to pick one uh and again jesus talks about uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth and that kind of imagery in at least six different passages but when we when we talk about the Duration of hell. Yeah. In Matthew chapter twenty-five, verse forty-six, in the judgment scene where the sheep and goats have been gathered, and he's divided them into two groups. Right. He's going to
1: pronounce a final final
3: judgment judgment here, and I think we'll probably talk about this passage a little bit more later. But just for the point about hell, in verse forty-six, he says, "And these will go away into eternal, or the New King James says everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life." Well, that same word is used of the life and the punishment. Everybody understands heaven is going to be forever there's no real question about that yeah. but jesus here is using the same word to describe the the punishment as he uses to describe the life and that's why there's really it's hard to get around the the teaching from our lord that right. that hell is a place that'll be um, awful and is a place that's going to be eternal
1: I and mean, hey, i don't like that idea i mean it's not something that i would vote for Right, uh, per se, just from human perspective. Sure. But it, we have to accept the teachings of the, of, the, of the gospel, what Jesus said, and that hell is an everlasting place. And he also goes on to describe uh, the condition of, of that uh, punishment there.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, the the, the they're weeping and gnashing of teeth and that, those kinds of things is described. Worm dieth not, fire is not quenched. Right. Okay. And so it is a terrible place. So
1: hell does exist. Uh, to, to deny that, you'd have to argue with Christ because he taught so much about it. So 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or if you're just joining us, we're talking about insignificant sins that will send you to hell tonight on the program, and uh, we will question the premise that there are insignificant sins at the end of the program, but uh, to facilitate the discussion tonight, we're assuming that there would be insignificant sins, and we believe, Eric, there are quite a few sins that people would say, oh, they're not really that big a deal. And yet, uh, the Bible tells us that they will send us to hell.
3: Right. I think even when you even when people do have a concept of hell, they maybe think that it's for the worst of the worst kind of uh, you know offenders. A passage like Revelation twenty verse ten says, "The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they'll be oh, tormented day and night forever." They, they deserve that. Well, right. We can sort of maybe yeah. accept that yeah. the devil, the beast, the false prophet are going to be people who had. That done some awful things, will be in this place.
1: Hitler, you know, yeah,
3: yeah. We but, can understand yeah, that, right? But if you just keep reading, a few verses later, we see that um, that it says, "If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire." So there was a huge group of people who joined them in that punishment, and it's everyone whose name was not written in the last book of life. So it's it, there's crowds of people, and again, this it's such a sobering, disturbing. Um, thought that I think, you know, our, maybe our natural tendency would be to sort of avoid the whole conversation, but that would be doing a disservice to Jesus and his teaching to, to not talk about the things that will condemn somebody. All right.
1: Let's hear your thoughts. 877 381 Questions at collegeu.com. We ask again four questions, and the first question we ask were about our thoughts and our attitudes, Anthony, and uh, there are some thoughts and attitudes that we have from time to time that many people would think were insignificant
0: that will
1: condemn us to hell
2: right you know we have to we have to be careful to, to understand that everything that we that we say that we that we think is is open to god he knows what we're, what we're saying and what we're thinking um and we put that question out too to our email list today uh asking you know, their input for maybe some su- in, seemingly insignificant thoughts or attitudes that might uh, send, send us to
1: hell. Along those lines, Chris in Atlanta, Georgia, has uh, responded. He has uh, several here. Jealousy, he says, will send you to hell. That attitude, covetousness, lust, anger, or resentment towards a brother or another.
3: I've heard somebody ask before. You know, have you ever heard of anybody being withdrawn from for the sin of envy? Yeah. You know, and you you, you never do because I guess it would be hard for us to judge that about somebody. But envy is a very real thing. Jealousy, as he mentioned, very prevalent. It is, and it may be something that only God knows. I mean, I don't know if I would, how I would know unless you show me that that you have envy in your heart. But the scriptures are clear that that is a sinful attitude.
2: Absolutely, right. You know, the 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 lists of the the works of the flesh are are full of of those kinds of things. Maybe sins of the heart, we might say, or sins of attitude. Uh, you know, definitely, and those things are are mentioned in the same passage as things like murder or adultery. Yep. So they definitely count.
1: All right. Uh, in Titus chapter 3, verse 3, uh, talking about us in our lost state before we were saved. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient. Those people, um, disobedient people, surely would uh, go to hell. But notice this. Deceived, serving divers lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy. Hating and hateful and hating one another. You know, those attitudes uh, describe the state of someone who's lost, someone who will go to hell. And uh, we've got to be careful about envy and make sure that we uh, keep it out of our, our minds.
3: And uh, Chris also mentioned the idea of lust. And specifically, Jesus mentions in, in Matthew 5, 27, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. Maybe everybody would say, well, yeah, that's an awful sin. You right. know, uh, adultery would be terrible. But he goes on to say, but I say... Everyone who looks upon a woman with lustful intent has committed adultery in her heart. And then he immediately follows that up with, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away for it. it's better that w- that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Right. So in the context here of, of lusting, he's saying you give up whatever you have to because this could cause your body to be cast into hell. And he says that right on the heels of talking about it's not only adultery that will condemn someone, but it's also the lust. You know, you hear sometimes people say, well, there's nothing wrong with looking. Right. That's yeah. a pretty common yeah. statement that people make. <laughs> like, right. well, you know, as long as you're looking, I'm just looking, you know, like there's no harm done as long as right. I'm only looking. Right. And, I mean, I've heard people say that, and, and you know, we can't fool ourselves uh, into thinking that that's okay. Well,
2: yeah, and, and talking about, you know, attitudes, it reminded me of one of the Beatitudes, and I know this is one of Greg's favorites, is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So, you know, all these things that we're talking about, envy, jealousy, covetousness, lust, those right. are, like you said, Eric, those aren't things that necessarily manifest themselves to others, but they're problems of the heart. And Jesus says that it's only those who are pure in heart that will see God.
1: Now, if I'm having a problem with stealing, or if I'm having a problem with, uh, of you know, uh, lying, or if I'm having a problem with my temper and I'm, you know, I'm hauling off and you know, hitting people right between the eyes, those things I'd, I'd, I'd be worried about that. I'd want to work on that. But how can I should be just as concerned about the envious thoughts, the, uh, the, uh, lustful thoughts and things like that. I've got to get those out of my mind. Those aren't insignificant things. A lot of times we might brush them over, say, well that's just, oh, you know, that's just a thought. It doesn't really matter. We have got to work on getting those things out of our lives. All right, we're talking about insignificant sins on the program tonight, and we want to hear your thoughts at 877-381-4567. Questions at com. The chat room is uh, getting busy with thoughts as well. If you're listening to us in the live edition tonight, we'll look forward to your thoughts there. The line's open. Give us a call and let us know your thoughts. We'll continue the discussion of insignificant sins. That will send someone to hell on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break.
4: I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in we're only interested in what our creator has revealed to us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell,
1: and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study.
0: Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we are back on the program tonight, and you
1: quit checking your email, but we're going to keep checking ours. If you want to send us thoughts to questions at collegeview.com, we'll be checking that email. And um, and we'll be turning down our volume on that computer there, Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as we talk about insignificant sins that will send you to hell. Um, certainly, Anthony, we've got to be careful about our thoughts and our attitudes.
2: Right. You know, there's no question uh, that the Bible teaches that, that our heart is just as important as our actions or our words when it comes to um, to doing right.
1: All right, uh, uh, Chris also mentioned uh, covetousness. Covetousness clearly is uh it looks closely related to envy, but it also um is a sin that will send us to hell and we've got to make sure that we're on guard against that. in the materialistic world that we live in, Eric, uh, that's one that will sort of slip up on you.
3: Absolutely, yeah. We're we're bombarded with uh as you've talked about before, uh, advertisements, T V everything tells us you need more stuff and um it's it's hard to keep that in perspective. But that is a very dangerous attitude.
1: Ephesians chapter five verse five for this you know that no no whoremonger nor unclean person, I'm okay with that, nor covetous man, now that's getting a little close to home, maybe, uh, or who is an idolater, hath an any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. That's pretty clear. Yep. No inheritance. All right. Well, we've got to be careful about our attitudes. They are not insignificant, these thoughts that we might have. And uh, so we uh, we still like your thoughts along those lines. Henry is in the chat room tonight. Henry has sent in. His uh, thoughts on the program tonight via email. Persons out of Christ, he says, often try to comfort themselves with the remembrance that they have never in their lives committed any really great sin. Little trifling acts of wrongdoing, perhaps, but nothing of any consequence. So surely God will overlook their rather insignificant transgressions when he settles their accounts. In the first place, a man's status before God is decided not by the number and enormity of his sins, but by whether those sins have or have not been forgiven whether he's on God's side or the side of the devil. A soldier who mutinies is responsible for his mutiny, even if he does nothing more than stand up and let himself be counted among the rebels. His crime lies in his break with his superiors and his willingness to go along with the enemies of his country. That he performs no extraordinary feats of violence may mean no more than that he is an ordinary fellow incapable of great deeds of any sort for or against his country, and he quotes that from... The gentleman A. W. Tozer, and so, uh, so again, uh, he's leading us to the idea that there are no insignificant sins. We're seeing that fact when it comes to our thoughts and our attitudes.
3: Well, he mentions that some people basically convince themselves they've never done anything wrong. I, I, a friend of mine um, said he one time was bothered when he found out that his high school math teacher was dying, and so he went to go visit him, and the man was, I believe, a, a non-believer all the way around and, and wasn't a Christian. Uh, at all and he tried to talk to him about his soul and what he thought might happen when he died and he said he figured he'd be fine because he had never in his life sinned that's what he, you know he yeah. told, on his deathbed he'd never wow. sinned, which just says that i think we a lot of people lack an understanding of what sin is and so they maybe define it in such a way that they don't feel like ever, they're actually guilty of, which i think is what he's All
1: right. So that's some people are denying that that they have committed sins. But those who have any familiarity with the scriptures have to admit that they have committed sin. And the way that a lot of people get around it and maybe even we get around it from some from time to time is, well, that's just not that big a deal. I don't do anything bad. Right. This is is sort of insignificant. And yet what we've seen here and looking at our attitude and our thoughts that these things are significant and they will send us to hell. And we've got to be on guard. Absolutely. All right. Looking forward to your thoughts. Uh, send us an email. Send, join in the chat room. Uh, Henry, again, is in the chat room. He's in great uh, in England tonight. Uh, and uh, he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Uh, therefore, whosoever relax, relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever does them and teaches them to be will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and pharisees you will never enter the kingdom and uh so he tells us there again uh that uh, there is no insignificant sin but for the fa- sake of discussion tonight we're going to assume that uh, people's uh, assumption is correct and we're going to show that even these so-called insignificant sins are damnable and will uh send us to hell all right we went on and asked the question tonight, what about our actions? What are some so-called insignificant actions? that will send one to hell. Eric, you got some thoughts on those lines?
3: You know, well, I noticed that uh, Chris from Georgia, I think is how he writes this, uh, this is, That's how he writes
1: it every well, week. Oh, that's yeah. what that is. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he writes it. He signs, out, he signs off every week that way. And Chris is one of our more regular correspondents, and so we do appreciate his answers. And uh, I appreciate
3: I. the accent yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> phonetically yeah. Uh, It's
1: easier to read though <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: But he says that uh, telling a white lie is one of the things he mentions and, and I think that uh, we're going to talk about how we stand with our mouths I guess in the, in the next point. but um, it's scary to me how often people even Christians seem to have this attitude or this idea that little lies right. don't really matter. But the Bible is clear from cover to cover, from the Old Testament to the New, that that one of the things that God uh, can't stand is uh, people who uh, don't tell the truth. Revelation 21.8, one that we're familiar with, and all liars at the end of this list of sins is the word liars, and all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. That's, again, very clear, and you can't get around it.
2: It is, and that's very significant. Yeah, and then, you know, the Bible never, the word term white lie or anything like that does, you know, never appears in the Bible. So uh, lies are lies and uh, half truths and so forth. I mean, it, there's no, uh, you know, gradation of, of lies in the Bible.
1: All right. Looking forward to your thoughts uh, on the program. Chris goes on, he says, stealing from your employer, whether it be a pen, notebook, or time by not working as you agreed to. Clirting with someone who is not your spouse, continuously disobeying traffic laws, posting inappropriate material on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. And, again, those are all things that people obviously don't think is that big a deal. Uh, Christians are engaged in these things, even openly engaged in these things. And if they thought it was a big deal, I guess they wouldn't do that. But uh, they think it's insignificant.
2: Yeah, I think you know we tend to think that we can do everything sort of right up to adultery, or we think we can do uh, you know everything up into say murder or whatever. Bank robbery, right? You know, we yeah. we try to see how close we can get to to the fire without jumping in, you know, uh, feet first. So, uh, you know, like flirting, for example, you know those kinds of things. It may we can kind of kid ourselves into saying, oh, it's nothing, you know. But that's how. That's how that stuff gets started. The bad stuff gets started with something simple.
1: All right. Eric, you had some other ideas uh, as well that you brought uh, tonight.
3: Well, in we, the next point that I, that I was thinking about maybe ties in with the, uh, I don't know whether which point it goes with, but uh, insulting a brother. Is that what you think? No, No, no,
1: no, no, no. I was talking about the one where you would ignore the needs of
3: another. Oh, okay. Well, but that's <laughs> actually that's that's it, that's out it. of order on my outline. But that's that's out of
1: order on your outline, <laughs> but
3: it is an action. That that's right. Yeah. That's right. In fact, and that is the uh, that is the one I mentioned earlier that we might go back to. Matthew 25 is a uh, a very frightening passage because Jesus is describing a judgment scene here. And it is, it's probably not what many people would have in mind. Mm-hmm. When Jesus describes gathering everybody who's ever lived uh, before him, and then he separates them. He says the shepherd separates sheep and goats into a group on the right and the left. Mm-hmm. There's only two. Right. There's not, you know, really good and sort of bad, and, and it's not a spectrum, right? It, there's people who are going to be going into eternal life, as we saw earlier, and there's people who are going to be going to eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. So you might think, well, what is going to be the basis by which these two groups are identified? Did you kill anybody? Right. I mean, of course, that those that will be an identifier. But right. It's not the one Jesus referenced. We would expect it to be. You've done some awful thing. You've you you've, robbed three banks. You've hurt somebody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whatever it is that that or you um, you know worshiped an idol yeah. or you did something really bad like that you cursed God right right those kinds of things but actually the the um, the measuring stick so to speak that he uses to separate the people into these two groups are whether or not they showed compassion yeah. whether or not they showed love whether or not they actually did anything to help their brothers in these certain circumstances he says um, and both groups are surprised. He says to the ones who are going to be saved, I'm putting you over here because um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you brought me drink. You visited me in jail. Of course, they're surprised. When did we do that? Right. And he says, as much as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Mm -hmm. The other group is surprised as well uh, because he says they didn't do those things. And the, the thing that makes that passage to me so frightening is it's this idea that, and I think one of the things Jesus is trying to teach in that whole passage is there will be surprises on the Day of Judgment. Yeah. And people will be surprised by, you know, how they ended up being, you know, here and there. The ones who are condemned are surprised, and they don't know, when did we not do that? When did we not uh, help you? And he says, when, as much as you didn't do it to these, you didn't do it to me. That's a, you know, that's something I think we ought to take heart. Take heart. Yeah, yeah. We would think it's
2: insignificant. Right. And that, yeah. sort
1: of, well, I just won't look if there. I see there. There might be a need over there. I'm not. I'm not going to investigate.
2: Right. I, I think just like Eric said, these people in this scene were surprised that these were the criteria that were being mentioned for judgment, and not the big stuff. So it's it's definitely a passage that that should speak to us pretty loudly here.
3: All right. And and they, they say the thing. The other thing that scares me is they say when did we not do it right? Right. And I think sometimes. We feel like, well, I have no opportunities to help anybody. You know, I've, I've, I'm, I'd be glad to, but I never, it, it scares me. Do I ever get to the end of the day and, and I say, well, I, when did I ever, when did I do that? We need to be aware. We need to be, uh, maybe even looking for opportunities to help other people and to show the kind of love and compassion. You know, Jesus says, let your, uh, light so shine before men, they will see your good works and glorify God. It's not just about avoiding, doing things that are bad, and showing up for worship. It's about actually going out and doing things that are recognizable, that are uh, showing compassion and love to other people.
1: All right. Excellent. 877-381-4567. Seven, seven, questions at collegeu.com. We need to go to the bottom of the hour break. But before we do, questions question has been posed in the chat room by uh, Henry. He says about lying. Now, we mentioned that there's no... A line's not an insignificant thing, that there even these white lies, these insignificant lies will condemn us to hell. Henry asked a question. You do have, though, have the problem that Rahab was blessed for lying. Eric, your thoughts about that?
3: Well, in Hebrews, when it mentions Rahab, yeah. it says that she uh, was saved by faith. And she received the spies. But she took the spies in and sent them out a different way. and It okay. doesn't say that she was saved for... Uh, because of her lies it says that she was saved because she hid them and she showed she demonstrated her faith in god by doing that and and then if you really have to back up and look at the context of that story if you want to understand it this is a gentile woman a prostitute um... had never been taught in the laws of god the reason that she was spared was because she demonstrated faith in god and was willing to act on his behalf now her actions, obviously she had a lot to learn about what God right. expects of his people. Right. And she was apparently absorbed into God's people after that event because she ends up in the lineage of Christ. Right. Um, and I would assume that she was taught quite a bit about what the one true God right. says about behavior, including uh, prostitution and right. other things. Yeah, right, right. So uh, I think the, the point is there that, that, that what she was saved for, according to Hebrews 11, was her faith, not, not for
1: line. no. And, and, the, and Hebrews 11 is full of sinners. And you can't look at, at their lives and say, well, if they're if they're in this list, then what they did is okay, because you got David in there, he was a murderer, you got Samson, you've got all kinds of people who were immoral at certain and, and, and sinful at certain times in their lives. That's not what they're blessed for, that's not what they're committed for, they're committed for their faith and the times when they were obedient to God.
3: Right, and it seems like, in her case, that it was specifically this thing she did that was why she was saved, but there was more to it than just telling a lie, because she took him and hid him and... She basically, I think that the way to look at it is she demonstrated her faith by casting her lot in with them, right? knowing that their God was going to win. Right. And so that's really, I think, what's commendable. It's
1: not a blanket approval of everything she did. Right. Okay. Right. All right, let's take a break, and when we get back, we still have some things to talk about on these insignificant actions that could send one to hell, and we need to talk about insignificant words. That's going to be one uh, that we'll catch a lot. And then... Is there really even such a thing as insignific- insignificant sin? Talking about insignificant sins that will send you to hell tonight to get in your thoughts on the ch- in the chat room or over the phone while we take this break.
0: We'll be back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
4: This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. There are two very different ways to view service in the kingdom of God. They reflect two totally opposite understandings of what really constitutes working for the Lord. The first view holds that a person's effectiveness and growth potential is directly related to the number of things he does in the public assemblies. Those who think this way are disappointed if there are limited opportunities to lead singing, word prayers, make announcements, wait at the Lord's table, and so forth. Frequently, they will voice concern that they are not being used or that they're not growing if they don't have numerous chances each month to perform these functions. They seem to like the limelight and feel unproductive if they can't be in front of the crowd. Such folks are typically unhappy in a larger congregation because a larger group naturally limits the frequency of such public activities. Others have a different outlook on these things. Yes, they are more than willing to do what they can in the worship services. Do you need a song leader or someone to fill in when the preacher is gone? Need a teacher for the junior high or high school class? You need only ask. They are ready. But these folks feel that such opportunities are really only the icing on the cake. They understand that real service is something that springs from a heart that is fully and deeply dedicated to God. If there is something of a public nature that needs to be done, they'll gladly do it. But they're not sitting back waiting for such opportunities and moaning if they don't come their way. Instead, they're making their own opportunities by teaching their own families, neighbors, and co workers. They see to the needs of the sick and downtrodden. They work. They're doing it regardless of whether or not there is someone standing by to observe them. It's this second view that is clearly taught by our Lord in passages like Matthew twenty three eleven and Luke twenty two twenty
0: six. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Tomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. We welcome you back as well at
1: 877-381-4567 as we talk about insignificant sins that will send one to hell. This program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we would encourage you to come and worship with us. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m., Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. We hope that you will make plans to come and be with us, and we'll also let you know about a special uh, series of meetings that will be occurring in a park in Columbia in the month of June. There will be more information coming about that in the weeks to come, but if you're in our area, we'd encourage you to come to those special meetings as well. We're talking about insignificant sins. A, specifically, at this point, we're talking about insignificant actions that will send one to hell. And uh, Chris mentions obeying the laws of the land, and that's that's one that uh, that's a tough one here.
3: So well, And maybe not a convenient one. What's not tough is understanding what the Bible says about it. That's right. Paul and Peter both are very specific about this. Paul in Romans 13, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Yes. Period. Peter in 1 Peter 2 um, says in verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution where the emperor is supreme or governor sent by hand to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, for this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So both Peter and Paul very clearly, with the Holy Spirit's inspiration, say part of being a Christian is not only subjecting yourself to God, but subjecting yourself to the government wherever you happen to be.
1: Anthony, that's not always a convenient thing. No, it is. Not what I necessarily would want to do.
2: Right, and I think, too, a lot of times we want to maybe reason our way out of, well, that law is inconvenient, like you say, or... You know, I don't understand, you know, why do I, you know, we, we were talking about the speed limit as one of our uh respondents mentions, you know. Fifteen miles an hour, I mean come on, why did you know That's that, you know yeah. that the, they need to update that I'm just going to do you know so you know speed limit is definitely one that I think uh, you know people will kind of have strong feelings about one way or the other, but it's a it's a law and I guess and it's it's posted it's a, it's an ordinance that we're supposed to obey so uh that was what uh, Chris and Georgia mentioned and um, you know so it gives it's something we need to think about henry
1: in the chat room says
2: but it is better to obey god not men we've got to.
1: well that's true if the laws of men violate or contradict the laws of god in which you know it's scary there are probably going to be some laws that are created not too far in the distant future that will violate some of god's laws we've got to be prepared to stand on what god has said right so that's the one caveat but god hasn't given us any laws that would contradict the speed limit or certain parking regulations when we're car and we definitely need to be following those
2: yeah and it goes it goes back to our our influence and our reputation you know we're supposed to be a light we're supposed to be the salt of the earth and if we have a you know a reputation of being a serial speeder uh you know and we're we're a a hot rod you know that that could rub you know rub off on somebody and say well man that guy he's kind of he's crazy he doesn't pay attention to that or You know, I mean, a serial speeder. A, 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 what's the word yeah, That's am yeah, When
1: you eat your breakfast
2: too fast? Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. A compulsive speeder a compulsive, maybe is yes. better. I don't know. Yeah. Habitual. So.
1: And my wife says I'm a serial swerver. <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised I do that.
2: not to say anything about your driving. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. I, the rumble strip is uh, yeah. something I come into yeah, contact with. My son with. thinks it's fun <laughs> when we get <laughs> that. That's why you... All
1: right, man. Okay, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. 381 4567 Questions at collegeview.com. Let us know your thoughts on the program. Insignificant actions. Anything else we need to catch before we move on? Lots of things that uh, probably get uh, thrown into that mix, and uh, we just need to make sure that we keep all of our actions in check. Uh, number three on our list tonight was insignificant words. I think that this probably may be... It's probably a close tie with the thoughts where people think things are insignificant, maybe even more so on the on the things that we
2: say.
3: Eric? Yeah, I, I I want to start out with another passage that is just one of those that's frightening, I think. Yeah. Um I don't think people appreciate I don't think Christians a lot of times appreciate the seriousness of 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 our words. Yes. And it, it may come as a surprise how much emphasis is placed on this in the scriptures. But for instance, James says in James one twenty six, if anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless or vain. So you can have your whole religion mm-hmm. just completely canceled out by not bridling your tongue. That's Correct. a I mean, we, we can undo everything we've done basically by by not watching what we say. That
1: is sobering. And also, Jesus makes another sobering uh, comment in Matthew twelve thirty six by saying to you that every idle word that men shall speak,
3: they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. People often say, I, "I didn't mean anything by that." I mean, I, no, I don't no, even think about I, 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 it. It
1: just is, it just sort of slipped out.
3: Right, and it, oh, I don't even know what I'm saying it. I don't. I mean, I've heard, I've heard people say that. You know, I don't even, what I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what's frightening about that passage. He specifically says, "Every idle word." which I understand to mean these these words that are just kind of, uh, you know, it's not something you necessarily have a lot of thought or put a lot of meaning behind, but it's just something you just say without thought.
2: Yep, and I I think that uh, if I've got that passage right, uh, yeah, right. In in the passage uh, that Jacob just mentioned, I think the the reason why we don't give it we don't give it much thought uh stuff just kind of is coming out of our mouth well that's indicative of what's in our heart as as uh jesus says there in matthew 12 34 through 37 in that passage he says you brood of vipers how can you speak good when you are evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks so you know those idle words are are really what uh sort of show what's in our heart because it we haven't put a lot of thought into it it's just kind of what falls out of our mouth well that means that's really displaying what's going on in our heart so i think it's not it's not insignificant that jesus says that we'll be held accountable for that because what it really is sort of saying is we're going to be held accountable for our hearts that's a good point
1: now you're getting into a direction i wanted to go anthony with this obviously the four letter words the curse right. words the and the vulgarity that's that's obviously condemned and I, Hopefully, most Christians would accept that, but it goes even farther than that. It's not just the, the bad words that we're not supposed to say. It's the things that we talk about and the way that we talk. Right. And we've got to be careful about that. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace into the hearers. That is... A, We've got to go the other way with it.
2: You know what that sounds an awful lot like is your grandmother's advice that if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. That's basically what that what that's saying. You know, our speech should be edifying, and and if it's not, then it's not you know it's worthless. I remember being a kid thinking,
3: uh, you know, there is this list of words you can't say. Right. <laughs> and so once I kind of figured them out, I, I tried to go by the rules. I won't say those words, but I want to tell that joke, and I want to tell this story, and I want to talk about this topic. So I would very carefully kind of choose my words to say the exact same thing everybody else was saying, Right. to tell the exact same joke, but I'd like to swap this word out for something else. Well, the the question is, is what I'm talking about corrupt? That's that word you read there in Ephesians 4.29. It means rotten or putrid or, mm-hmm. or something like that. If, if if the thought is corrupt, it doesn't really matter what how you dress it up. Um, are you communicating something that is gives grace to the hearers, that is b- good for edifying, for building up? Or are we really communicating some kind of garbage? And if we are, then, then you know, it doesn't matter what words we use. All
2: right. Yeah, so that kind of gets into the, the whole idea. And I think we've talked about it here before, you know, the idea of euphemisms and, you know, what do we really say? It's kind of like what you're saying. Well, I, I'll say, I'll convey this idea of something filthy, uh, but I, just, I won't use the four-letter word, but I'll use something really close to it so you know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. so it, it, we have to use good judgment there. I mean, where do you draw the line? We have to think about that. But it's something that, you know, gets again, gets back to the intent of what we're trying to communicate, not so much the exact word. It goes deeper than that. All right. To
1: Chris in Georgia says, uh, many four-letter words you hear on TV and in public, and, that, and one that I hate to hear is using God's name in vain, whether it is... Uh, just using god or oh my god it is very disrespectful and i even hear christians use this it makes my skin crawl especially when someone is supposed to be mature in the faith and that's that's one we've got to be careful with too eric because it's so prevalent in our society you listen to you you view anything on television or anything on the radio anytime someone's excited the first thing they say is they begin to use god's name in vain uh and uh and that that permeates our thinking and begins to come out in our vocabulary
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it just displays again uh, a lack of a lack of thought and consideration for what we're saying. Uh, It it falls into the sort of idle word sort of thing. And you know, of course, today with texting and all that, it's just it's been shortened to a you know three-letter acronym. And so we might even be tempted to kind of use that. But what we're we're really conveying the same the same thought, and everybody knows what that means. So just something to maybe consider. Uh, so
3: my kids were asking me just last night. Um, one of my kids was asking about. Uh, there's some of these words that are in the Bible. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I was. It reminds me of uh, my niece. I think it was that they were, or maybe it was just a friend. Anyway, a little girl. They were singing a song, and the one, the, the lyrics of the song say, "Oh my God, I trust." You. And when they said that, she was, oh, "You know," because she had been taught yeah. we don't say that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, my kids were asking about. You know, the D word is what my son said. And I, you know, and some of these things you can find in the scripture. I said, "Well, look, the words aren't." The words have a place, yeah. and they have a meaning. Um, saying, Talking about God has its place, obviously. Right. Uh, talking about hell, talking about damnation has its place. If if we're using them in a serious conversation, you know, but what the problem becomes, whether it's Jesus or God or any of these things, for whatever reason, it's a mystery to me. When people get excited or they get angry or they get happy or whatever, they they, they pepper their language with these Terms that that should have a very special meaning, and they use them flippantly, and that's the problem. Yeah, right, right. Uh,
1: and Henry is in the chat room, and he is sending his uh, response as well. Henry, it's a, I think it's a, uh, past two o'clock in, in the UK, and Henry is very coherent at that hour of the night. Uh, you would not you would not find me in a chat room making these kind of comments at uh, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, his email, he says, uh, some insignificant words that will send one to hell. I will not believe. I do not need mm. God to do such and such. Any blasphemous utterance. And uh, he won't judge me. He loves me too much. That's an, that's, well, that's an attitude, too, and also something that's said that uh, certainly will condemn many to hell.
3: And I wanted to bring up, if we have time still, one that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. We're going to talk about that on the side of break. Okay. okay. All right.
1: well, things we might say to others. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, things along that line. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. And then we're also going to talk about, is there any uh, such thing as an insignificant sin? And we'll get into the, the, that discussion as well. Let us know your thoughts during this break as we go to the top of the hour after this. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this.
0: Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages.
2: Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there.
3: Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by the College U Church of Christ.
4: I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias.
0: Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys.
1: We're back on the program tonight, and we're talking about insignificant sins that will send one to hell. Anthony Petrachko and Eric Reynolds join me uh, tonight. And uh, Jeff is behind the board as we talk about... This important subject because many people are minimizing, well, they're minimizing hell, as we talked about at the beginning of the program, but they're minimizing these other sins that the Scriptures clearly teach against and teach that we'll send us to hell. They're minimizing these things and saying it's not that big a deal. The Scriptures teach us otherwise. We're talking about that. Eric, before the break, you alluded to something that Jesus said about the things that we say that we might typically think are insignificant. Jesus points out one uh, that probably we need to give some thought to.
3: Right, especially uh, maybe... At this time, when we have political discussions going on, there's, there's lots of uh, things that, that brethren may be engaged in uh, discussions about, and we need to be careful how we talk to each other. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, uh, beginning verse 21. He says, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. Whoever murders his brother will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother—your translation may say uh, "raka" or something like that—will yeah. be liable to the council. And whoever says, "You fool," will be liable to the hell of fire. Yeah. This word "raka" means, uh, as I understand, literally empty, and so it was a—it uh, was used as an insult to something equivalent to empty-headed or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why the ESV, which is not what I'm reading from, just translates it "insults" because yes. it, that was the idea. And then uh you fool, of course, it is used in this, uh, even though the Bible refers to people as fools, uh, in this context it would be used in a way of just kind of verbally insulting someone or tearing them down, trying to her- harm them uh, with your words. That's the way I understand it anyway. So Jesus is saying here, you've heard that it was said you can't murder someone. I'm saying don't use your words to attack them either. And I think we need to be very careful that that we're not guilty of basically saying these same things using very harmful, hurtful, hateful uh, speech in in the way that we address each other.
1: Now, and this goes back to your list of words you're not supposed to say. How many people are very careful? Oh, I don't call anybody a fool because Jesus right. said not to. Right. But we need to get a little bit deeper than that, Anthony. He didn't mean just don't use that word. It's yeah. the idea.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about that on, on the way over here. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> kind of the way I was thinking about it is, well, what if – you know that's the word that the English word for whatever Jesus said in in Greek or Aramaic there. So yeah. it, the, it can't mean the word f o o l. You know it means the the attitude and uh, and the intent that's behind it. I mean obviously well, that that's a good a good measuring stick. I mean we we don't want to throw that particular word around uh, in the wrong way. In the wrong way because the Bible mm-hmm. does call people fools. And
1: right. so, I mean, we could use the same term that the Bible uses for certain people. You know, fool some, said it's hard. Yeah, there's no God? if someone God. says they're not a, there's no God, we say, well, that person's a fool. Not, we're, not do, we're not trying to be derogatory. We're just saying what the scriptures say about that. But now, the word that Jesus used there for fool is the word moros. I believe that's the same word where we get the uh, Greek word that we get moron. Oh. But now the definition of it, and I'm, I'm sure people have used some of these words, these descriptions that lob them at people, uh, dull or stupid, uh a blockhead ever heard someone called a blockhead Charlie brown <laughs> <laughs> well
3: i mean yeah, these right, kind of things right. these
1: kind of insults yes, that are right. lobbed at a person's uh you know we've got to be careful
3: yeah and if you want some other words let's look at another passage colossians 3 verse 8 It says now you must put them all away anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth. This, I think this he's grouped these words together because they sort of go together. Right. Um, these aren't just random thoughts. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. Um, when we, as brethren, interact, there may be times when you frustrate me, when, I'm, when I disagree with you, when you've hurt my feelings, when I'm, when I'm angry, but we have to be very careful in those settings how we speak to one another because if it turns into slander, insults, and those kinds of things, Jesus says you will be liable to the hellfire. All
1: right, lots of things to be careful about there. I mean, you hear about it, and and uh, I've used those those types of statements about others, you know, in the past that uh, that we just got to be careful about. What what are we saying about that person? Uh, Jesus says we've got to be careful.
2: About. Yeah, and I think that gets back to the idle words thing. I mean, these are things that we might throw around idly and not think a whole lot about, and something. You know that I try to be careful of it in my household. is just the idea of, of constantly, you know, pointing out faults in people, even just strangers on the street. You know, look at that guy; he looks like a moron, or he, you know, his pants are too short, or you know, I mean, just the constant idea of pointing out people's faults or or being derogatory towards people. We we kind of think it's a fun, it's fun, you know, but those are kind of idle words, and it's it's an attitude that we develop. You know, that we then take it from strangers on the street to Christian uh, brothers and sisters. You know, So we have to be very careful.
3: A passage that goes along with that, uh, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Paul says, Let all bitterness, which I think kind of fits mm-hmm. that. You know, we become this kind of hypercritical yes. in our society. Right. Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. But then he says in verse 32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted." You know, like you're taught when you're a kid. Yeah. Be nice, right? <laughs> yeah. So take the bitterness out and replace it with something that's kind. And I think sometimes even even brethren, when they debate, when they disagree, you know, it descends easily into these personal attacks on someone's intelligence, on someone's character, and we need to be very careful about that. All right. Well,
1: before we conclude tonight, we need to ask a question. We've talked about the fact that there are these so-called insignificant actions, the so-called insignificant thoughts and attitudes, the so-called insignificant words. They really are significant. I haven't found anything that is truly insignificant tonight, Eric, in the discussion. Now, we haven't talked about everything, but as a fair conclusion, we ask in number four, is there such a thing as an insignificant sin, and what verses would you use uh, to support your answer?
3: You know I believe it was uh I believe it was uh it was the uh, gentleman Chris in uh, the UK that, that's that, Henry, yes. Oh Henry? Yeah. That 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 um quoted from uh Peter that if you or is it James? Anyway, if you have I'm kept the whole law now. but Hit, offend in one yeah. point you are yeah, in James, James 2, two verse ten, 10 yeah. whoever keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty uh of all uh, there are no
2: insignificances. All right. Right, uh, another one. Uh, Chris and Georgia mentions, and I think this is, is a, it's not stated explicitly, but it, it the the logical conclusion is there. Romans six twelve uh, states uh, that we are not to let sin reign in our bodies, and that the wages of sin is death. It does not say that we shouldn't let major sins reign, or that the wages of major sins is death he says uh, i think we can safely infer from the context it's stating that any sin is death so yeah the wages of sin is death it doesn't say the wages of enough really bad sins you know right, it's right. just sin period there's there's no qualification well
3: imagine okay if there is a minor sin wouldn't you think that like eating the wrong fruit would be a relatively minor, in the scheme yeah, yeah. of things, you know, yeah, like
1: yeah. Somebody it, mentioned that earlier. I think that Henry, and I think I think we're mislabeling Henry as Chris. I think Chris is his true name in, in the UK. He mentioned that in, in the forbidden fruit.
3: Right. My friend used to call it a kiwi fruit just for fun. But it
1: probably
3: <laughs> hey, wasn't. Don't knock the kiwis; <laughs> they're good. <laughs> Not much to look at, though. No, but, no. <laughs> but uh, whatever it was, God said, "Don't do it." The wages of that one single sin. Taking a bite or eating yeah. of this fruit that God said don't do resulted in death. It didn't have to be a lot of things. It didn't have to be some awful thing. Uh, it was because they violated God's command.
1: You know, we could easily, uh, people today would want to rationalize that away. Surely God wouldn't care just a little bite. right? Or, you, know, you know, it seems good to me. Why would a loving God tell me I couldn't eat this fruit? Not hurting anybody else. Not hurting. It's just between me and God. You know, all kinds of rationalizations We just don't see that uh, the Scriptures ever talk about an insignificant sin. Right. All right. What are your thoughts? Uh, we have a, a few more minutes to go on the program tonight. Eric, uh, you mentioned some other things in your outline uh, about some things that uh, you thought others might uh, consider to be insignificant, maybe just their attitude towards service to God.
3: Well, their that fervor, is another right, Another frightening passage is from Revelation 3, Revelation 3 um, where to the, the church of Laodicea, It says the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither hot or cold. Would that you were either hot or cold because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold. I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, notice that they say, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. Again, it's along the theme, I think, that you see the scriptures of people deceiving themselves and being surprised when the when it all you know the judgment comes. So they felt like when they think when they look at themselves, I'm I'm just fine. What Jesus sees is someone who is lukewarm, was just you know blah. And his reaction is he wants to vomit them out of his mouth. I mean, how could you say that person would be saved? Unbelievable. And, you know,
1: Eric, I, those people were probably in if they had pews back then. They were probably in the pews on Sunday morning. They they may have had all the blanks in their lesson filled out if they had a lesson, you know they 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 probably were singing going along with everything there, just didn't have that fervor they needed they died out.
2: Right, and you know that that reminds me, uh, you know when Jesus talks about uh, how that you know m- many people will think that they were going to be that they're going to be saved, and I think I, I see it on the outline of Matthew seven. I couldn't think of the exact passage, but. You know, many not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. So we've got these people who are religious, they're going through the motions and and as the people in Revelation we just talked about, they thought they think they're you know, they're okay. But when uh when the lot the die is cast, so to speak, they're actually found lacking. So it's definitely a sober a sobering thought. All right. So
1: there are certain certainly no insignificant sins. Any sin will damn our soul. We've got to be on guard, that we are complying with the instructions that God has given us, that we're looking for these inadequacies, these areas where we violate and we fall short. We're looking for those areas, and we're eliminating them from our lives.
3: And I want to say kind of shifting gears a little bit, but tying in with this topic, that I don't think what we're trying to do is shake people's faith or or cause everybody to, to... you know be afraid up. um as christians we're supposed to have confidence in our standing with the lord and jesus says if we abide in him uh, if we walk in the light uh that that we have forgiveness of sins and and we can have assurance and confidence and we're supposed to uh jane i mean john writes in first john four that um uh there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment whoever fears has not been perfected in love if we abide in him and abide in his love which means obeying then we don't have to just always be afraid am, am I doing something wrong but we ought to have that healthy awe and fear that that is a you know constantly examining ourselves checking ourselves making sure that we are abiding in him and doing what he And does. that abiding in
1: him means that we don't allow these so-called insignificant right. sins to lay around in our lives that so we we sweep them out and we comply with what god has told us right as eric yeah.
2: said we need to be walking in the light and and that means like you say not allowing these things to take hold in our lives but uh, again you know the point is that if we uh, obey god's commands and uh, then we have that forgiveness through jesus blood and and that's the that's the great message so
1: so we can't be content uh, just to sort of go along and uh, right. allow ourselves to just Take, take it as it comes.
3: We can never be satisfied. We can never okay. be aware of a problem, right? And then just say, "Oh, that's no big deal." That's just the way I am. Right. That's the. I think that's. I the, can't help it. Right. That's the. That's the attitude that will definitely cost us. All right. Well,
1: uh, Eric, thank you for joining us from Fayetteville. Always enjoy good
3: discussion. It. Glad that you're here. And
1: Anthony, thank you for coming as well.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, allowing me to sit here in the middle. I had to get a booster seat. I don't know if anybody noticed, but uh, yeah, you're I was feeling a little, feeling taller, a little yeah, I felt it's a lot better now. You didn't you say anything seat. about clowns to the left. that's <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 uh, good discussion
1: tonight, guys. Thank you for it. And uh, thank you, Jeff, for being behind the controls. You didn't have a mic tonight, but you did a great job. Appreciate you for being here. And thank you for joining us on the discussion as well. We hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret
0: it.